According to Forbes, name three black billionaires. Oprah Winfrey. Yep, your girl. Michael Jordan. Yeah. This is, wow. There's a new one on the list. Uh, um, I feel like I should know this. Yeah, we've talked about him. Kanye. Jay-Z. Uh, Jay-Z, yeah. yeah. Or you could have said Robert Smith, who gave all that money to... Morehouse. To Morehouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was thinking of, but I couldn't think of his name. Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, y'all. Welcome to your business. Welcome back. I am JJ. I'm Shayna. And thanks for coming back. Yes, and it's just us today, which I like. I love, love having guests, but mm-hmm. I also love when we could just shoot the shit. <laughs> And just bottle up the magic that is Shannon. Yeah, yes. Welcome to it. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get started? Yeah, let's get started. With your business. So uh, the first item, I don't know, it's kind of weird having it be the first item, but I know that um, I feel like it's a good segue into something you're going to talk about. So okay. I, I thought it was a good uh way to start so we all love frank ocean yes right we love frank ocean's music where's he been apparently uh launching uh new gay club nights in new york (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) so frank yeah no so i saw this headline last week um that frank ocean was launching a club night called prep plus in New York, uh, which is so prep the drug, is the drug that, oh, okay. um, uh, has really high effective rates for reducing HIV transmission up to 99%. Um, and so he wanted to name this club night after prep because I guess he wanted to raise awareness for prep. Um, and uh, according to him, um, pay homage to what could have been. Um, of the 1980s NYC club scene if the drug had been invented in that uh, era. Okay. Quote. Cool. You know, like, good, worthy cause. Yeah. This club night was on Thursday night, and um, <laughs> the issue that a lot of people had with the whole, like, paying homage to what could have been um, is that the event was very exclusive. Like, even in the press release, it was, like, ticket holders no ticket holders have their tickets already and then the event space will be revealed to them at 10 p.m tonight you know it's like <laughs> um who were the ticket holders other celebrities um i i don't think it was celebrities i think it was other gay men oh okay but it was apparently according to the people on twitter like very sparsely attended um they said it was underwhelming quote too exclusive too exclusive and basically didn't uplift anybody um and a, a lot of people pointed out that this is supposed to be an event that was meant to promote queer inclusivity and to also raise awareness for prep but then right in the press statement for this event it's like inherently exclusive and also, was Frank Ocean alive at the 80s, 90s clubs, no, NYC club scene? Like, we're all late 80s babies. Like, it's just a weird thing to pick and not actually pull anybody from yes. that time. You weren't even born, huh? Yeah. It was, it was, it just felt like a very, like, a surface, arbitrary yeah. surface thing to, mm-hmm. like, pin your new, like, club series on. And if, if that is the case, if you're going to, 
So my my what what I took away from this is anybody who's like marketing a product or a service, like if you're going to adopt like a like a very important like a social mission and a full culture and a full culture, right. like you need to like fulfill it. Yes. So if you and, say and you need to bring the money and let someone else tell you, yes, like Frank, what do you know, Frank? <laughs> yeah, it was just very bizarre to me, and I also thought it was like a missed opportunity to like to educate people about prep. Um, you know, prep is seen as um, one of the ways that we will like eventually like eradicate HIV. Yeah. Um, and you know, there are a lot of. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, drug companies are raising um, do charge a lot for it, but there are also a lot of programs that basically give away, basically give it away for free. Mm-hmm. And I just thought this was an opportunity for you, black gay man, to like, you know, use your platform to go a little broader mm-hmm. you know <laughs> as opposed to this like this exclusive new york gay club scene night and the gay club scene here is already like super white and super exclusive right. there are no virtually no black gay clubs in new york anymore right. and so i just thought that frank being frank and like a lot of us who who used to ride for him like doing this new business venture could have been more thoughtful about it i feel like what i'm taking from this which is like is a good segue into mine is like there is a point where it looks like you're doing this for the pr yes because you haven't there's like you need more people like there's like nothing that connects you i don't see any receipts that actually make it sound like this is something that you even cared about before this thing right and this is and if this if this is the first time you want to let people know you care about it like this exclusive like new york gay club like right. party is not the way to let people know this is right the, the flag that you're waving now and, and how are you bringing attention to something as that needs to be as widespread and accessible to the people as prep mm. and you don't have the he people named in the there? event prep prep plus <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't like that. You got to try again, Frank. Yeah, I don't like that. And give us another album that doesn't sound like ambient music. (laughs) But I liked his last one. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I dated a guy that like rode for Frank Ocean so hard. Yeah? Yeah. Um, So, you know, I have been really trying not to to speak about for like the past couple episodes uh, i've been really trying to not have kanye's name come out of my mouth mm-hmm. even when you send me kanye news i'm like cool like mm-hmm. I i'm like are you want to talk about this no no, no. <laughs> but i feel like i had to th- this portion for me is less about kanye and more about the importance of fact-checking, mm. and even fact-checking myself as far as what I've been taught in school, right? Mm. And so Kanye's Sunday service, which you and I have differing opinions about the authenticity of Kanye's spirituality. I don't have a heaven or hell to put that man in, but <laughs> he's another one that you're just like, but mm-hmm. I also hear you out here literally being one of the most dangerous black men, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, does God... I'm my God is different than that is mm. what I want to say. But so he was at Howard doing, doing Sunday service. And then he did another one at um, somewhere in Utah and <clears throat> made the comment that Abraham Lincoln was the Whig party. And that's the Republican party that freed the slaves. So 
mm-hmm. I delved in because the, the fact is that statement in itself isn't untrue. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln was the Whig Party. The Whig Party did transform into the Republicans. Therefore, Whig mm-hmm. equals Republican. Mm-hmm. Whig <laughs> equals Republican equals. I.e. Yeah, heretofore. Right. Heretofore, <laughs> Emancipation Proclamation connected to slave freedom. Thus and then. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Hitherto and on. <laughs> so I get that. What we also have to remember is that the Republican Party switched after Reconstruction and Lyndon B. Johnson to be what we know of it today. Mm-hmm. So anything pre that? not what we're dealing with mm-hmm. also and, and this, he knows that and he know, and that's yeah. what but how dangerous yep. the soundbite of this is lincoln freed the, freed the slaves republicans freed the slaves in 2019 that is so dangerous. so dangerous and to be fair a lot of us learned that abraham lincoln was the great emancipator mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. he signed the emancipation proclamation slavery was right. over not that he tried to ship black people out of the back to liberia <laughs> y'all came and took us from the ivory coast and you want to send us back to liberia shout out to the 1619 podcast because i did not know that before i, I heard that that's I had, wild he met with before he actually signed the emancipation proclamation he met with black leaders in the south and tried to strike a deal to send black people away because it was bad for him politically. But carry on, sorry. So, and also just the the reality is that the Emancipation Proclamation did not free the slaves. Mm. What the Emancipation Proclamation did was it was only over territories that were not governed by the federal government. So it didn't su- apply to slaves in the loyal slave states or those in parties of the Confederacy under Union control. Which was like seven states at that point that mm-hmm. it did apply to because they weren't under federal control the slaves basically freed them their damn selves right he signed the emancipation proclamation the slaves heard about it two years later on juneteenth mm-hmm. and we're like oh, okay so i guess we're out <laughs> <laughs> okay i guess we're gonna head out then yeah and then also this was not an altruistic humanitarian action right. he was suppressing southern rebellion the south was able to use slaves for their army forces by the end of the civil war 200,000 black men had fought for the southern army and lincoln wasn't having it right so y'all lincoln <laughs> didn't come with a heart of gold to free slaves mm-hmm. i and i read up like lincoln has been in history has been known in history to say slavery was wrong but he also has said, listen, what I'm really interested in is to save the union. And it's not to save or destroy slavery. If I could save the union without freeing the slaves, I would do it. Oh, he, he wrote a letter. That's to a the, quote. Yep. He wrote a letter to the founder of the New York Tribune before mm-hmm. he signed in the Emancipation Proclamation and said, if I could save the union without freeing any slave, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others, I would do it. And this I, man it, is the Joe if, Biden. And if I could save the union by shipping them all back to, to Africa, Liberia, I, would, I would do it. I would do it. <laughs> this man's the Joe Biden of his time. Where he's just literally like, sure, (laughs) whatever, whatever, (laughs) that's what you want. This is for you. Lincoln didn't do anything good for us, for them. So like, we really need to cut that out. And for me, I think the most important part to this is the importance of us waking up. Yeah. Like 40 acres and a mule, Lincoln Emancipation Proclamation, connection to slavery, 
we were we were taught not the right things. We yeah. were taught the surface level, and unfortunately, that's what Kanye's out here spilling. Mm-hmm. And it's really dangerous for us to just connect connect ourselves and our current state in this country to anything untrue, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I think we're at a point where that is actually like the biggest danger right. at uh, of let's, all. Let's let's call a thing a thing right and i will say and this is my last point is that i don't think that it is a coincidence that religion has been used to keep black people in this country docile and uninformed and that is how kanye is doing it Hmm. i don't think that it's a coincidence that white christianity was really shoved down slaves throats in order to say why you should be submissive. The Bible literally says like slaves submit to your master. Mm-hmm. So like, and all through this guise of a God and mm-hmm. a Jesus. And here's Kanye singing never would have made it mm-hmm. all through the guise of a God and a Jesus. Mm-hmm. So keep your eyes open y'all. <laughs> <laughs> like I just, I don't have any inside knowledge on Kanye's genuine connection to God and that is not what I'm questioning but what I am questioning is how dangerous your untruths are and how influential your voice is and what you're using that for Mm -hmm. I agree that's all I will not disagree with (laughs) (laughs) All right, you have (laughs) politics news yeah I mean in a way you know you know, that was very political. That was. <laughs> I gave y'all um, a history lesson. Yes. You take it all the way back <laughs> to the Whig party. <laughs> the, the Whig with the with WH. With the whites and the Whigs. <laughs> um, so some sad news in politics that we should talk about is um, the passing of Elijah Cummings, uh, who was a um, U.S. congressman, House representatives from... Um, uh, Maryland, and he passed away the other day at 68, um, which was to me is like super Very young. young yeah. um, but apparently, he had been battling some um, some long-standing health issues. Mm. Um, and we don't have to like talk a whole long time about it because you know it's been covered in the news a lot. But you know, this man had a, an epic political career. He was a son of sharecroppers um, and went on to serve in the Maryland House for decades and then the u.s house um he was elected to in 1996 where he advocated for poor residents of baltimore and advocated for like addiction treatment and needle exchange programs to reduce the transmission of hiv um and then in january of this year he was elected to um elected as a chair of the uh committee on oversight and reform which put him like in the center of the impeachment um, ordeal. Um, so the, the impeachment inquiry, um, he uh, explicitly supported black lives matter um, at a time where like a lot of Democrats, I feel were still kind of hesitant about it. Yeah. Um, and also spoke at Freddie Gray's funeral and Cummings was so well liked <laughs> um, that Trump, you know, who was notorious for calling his district, 
rodent infested. Uh, he was even compelled, I'm sure, keep po- it. politically keep to it. tweet his condolences um, about Cummings um, because I think he knew it would look bad if he didn't. Right. Um, and did you see people were posting pictures of John Lewis instead? I saw that and it enraged me. <laughs> like, y'all can't Google. <laughs> News people. Real, real journalists. Oh, Lord. Um... <laughs> But, I mean, to you know, be fair, they both look like black uncles, but not the same. They uncles. they look similar, but but I, yeah, it's just like the like do the work, do the work. Yeah, like this isn't just like you know, I don't know. I mean, anybody should have to be able to have their name honored in their in their death, but right? Put some respect, put some respect on, on Elijah Cummings for real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. You know, I've mentioned that he um was. He had overseen a lot of the um, the the hearings on the um, on Trump's corruption and um, the impeachment inquiry, and I saw a story that he was literally signing subpoenas hours before he passed. Like, oh my god! His staffers were like bringing him papers to sign from the hospital bed, <sighs> and I, that just I don't know. It just like did something to me because the the paper the um the subpoenas that he was signing was to was to help block. Um, a new Trump policy that would uh, try to kick immigrants out who were dealing with uh, severe health issues. Mm. And so Elijah was working to like stop that policy and literally hours before he died was signing subpoenas to like investigate the, the, that whole policy. Yeah, what a gift. So yeah, just rest in peace to Elijah. Um, and then I just wanted to leave off with this uh, quote um, that he said, <laughs> again, um, during another cor- uh, corruption-based um, uh, hearing before Congress when Michael Cohen, who's you know the president's former lawyer who's now in jail, um, came before Congress and Elijah had to like question him. He said, when we're dancing with the angels, the question will be asked, in 2019, what, what did we do to make sure we kept our democracy intact? Did we stand on the sidelines and do nothing? Hmm. And... I'll just leave that there. Yeah. <laughs> well, not. definitely rest in peace and prayers for his family. For but sure. I feel like it has to be, I hope it's somewhat comforting to know how much change he's given in his 68 years. Yeah. Um. So also in politics today, and I just want to do this quick, but we had our fourth Democratic candidate debate this week. I feel like the biggest soundbite for me was Julian Castro. Um, saying police violence is also gun violence, and he would talk. He was the only potential candidate to talk about um, a Tatiana Jefferson's death, who was killed in Texas in her home, mm-hmm. doing literally doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, playing video games with her nephew. Playing video games with her nephew, and just like in her home. <laughs> um, and then. Kamala Harris spoke about black women's maternal health issues and connected Trump's tweets to violence against black people. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she's been she's been saying black a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, someone pointed out, you know, she's an AKA and a phrase that they say before they before some of their stepping phrases is this is a very serious matter. And so she says that a lot. So I feel like <laughs> I feel like Kamala's just been blacking it up as much as possible lately. <laughs> But did you hear that she's like one of her like supporters on her campaign is Uncle Luke? No. 
As yeah. in the rapper? Yeah. As in as like in, two uh, live crew, Uncle Lou. As in big booty hoes hump with it? Yes. <laughs> Honey. As in scrub the ground? <laughs> All of the above. It's like, girl, you went real deep in the black archives to get. That's how you, you couldn't get nobody else? What is he doing for her? Like. Like speaking up for her now. So apparently, when she first came out, he was so anti her. He talked about how she had a white husband and like questioned how somebody. <laughs> I'm so. This is all true. I'm gonna. I'm gonna link the Politico story. My eyes are, I feel like my eyes are so big. Every time you say something else, they get wider and wider. <laughs> he did. He was like, "How can we trust?" Like he was talking about how can they trust her? Like she. You know, she's the man, basically. And especially uh-huh. for black men who are disproportionately judged in the judicial system. Like, how can we trust her and her husband's white? Like, he just was, like, really not here for her. <laughs> and then, like, oddly enough, like, literally a month later, he's like, oh, I did my research. She's cool. Oh. And is now out, like, speaking up okay. for her. But what a weird culture icon that to get. Very much so. But hey. <laughs> I was like, Kamala. Whatever you need, girl. But, but you does need. this not show you how disconnected from blackness she is? Mm-hmm. That's what I felt. I felt like that was like the weirdest it's connection. A, it's, a, it's a weird straw to grab at. It's it a is. it's a deep cut yeah, to be deep... like, you know who I want to get? Uncle Luke. Uncle Luke. <laughs> who's the most misogynistic, like, okay, cool. Good choice. Good choice. Um, and so I can't say that I won't twerk this on Uncle Luke though. I mean, haven't we all? <laughs> Haven't we all? But do you want him on your political campaign no, is the question. No. no. Um, and so I'll I'll link um, this article that I found because I feel like my, my takeaways for each of my points this week was really just facts. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to know. Mm-hmm. And it's just not enough to, like, read an article about the debate or even watch it. Like, I, I feel like there has to, at some point, there has to be, like, another step of research yeah um and so i found this article and it's like the democratic debates in six charts and it Mm -hmm. tells you this is also the data nerd in me Mm -hmm. it tells you like which candidate said the most words and like did that influence their audience Mm -hmm. like reactions and just Mm -hmm. like little things to kind of let us dig Mm -hmm. in deeper to what's going on i watched some of of the debate and they really came for elizabeth warren i heard yeah. that they were all tough on her especially uncle yeah. joe which is funny because oh can we talk yes let's talk about uncle joe what and how he, he was say? talking about elizabeth warren he is like all the way like he needs to sit down he's gross like so for a lot of people who don't know elizabeth warren doing during the obama administration basically created the consumer financial protection bureau um which basically does what it says <laughs> protects consumers um and it was it, its jurisdiction included banks, credit unions, uh, security firm, firms, petty lenders, basically hold all these people accountable who can exploit exploit poor people mm-hmm. um, or you know people who apply to these services, and that's seen as a very big achievement that she did during that time. Um, it was seen as like a bipartisan victory um, that both Republicans and Democrats supported, and. So Joe says during the debate, <laughs> he's like, I'm the only one on this stage who's truly got something big done. And everybody's like, what? What, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, we're all I mean, here. You like, thought we just got here. Right. Uh, and so 
and so Elizabeth brings up the the um the CFPB, and then he says, "I got those votes for you. I got those votes for you." And she claps back and she says, "I'm very thankful to Barack Obama and <laughs> for shepherding my my idea through to real uh, pastors into a real agency." And then he says, "You were good at your job." He is. You such, were good. You were good at your job. He's such an old white man. It was so condescending. Like he said that while she was talking, she basically turned and said, "Thank you." And <laughs> kept going. And it was like it was like the, to me the clearest sign that you are just like not only out of touch but out of your league. Yeah. And out of your mind. I can't wait when it's just till it's just like him, her, and maybe Bernie, and she can just like fully rip him to shreds. Because. But is Bernie gonna make it? <laughs> These old men. Bernie had a damn heart attack. He did. And was like back out there on Monday. Well, Bernie has also raised the most money out of all of them, <sighs> which is amazing to me. <laughs> We're due. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was an interesting debate. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for the the herd to be thin some more. Same, because there's still some people that are showing up on that stage where I'm like, who are you? <laughs> the billionaire? Who are you? I, I had no idea. Like, we can't. They're, we can't. Like, we need to just, the. if we haven't said your name, right. you can't be on Like, here. out of our mouths? Yeah, like, we don't know. It's too late. It's been too long. Oh, <laughs> yoy. So next up, I just wanted to touch on this other story I saw in the um, New York Times uh, about what it means to be a minority in the gaming industry. So I'm a gamer. I probably spend way too much time uh, uh, playing fighting games. I love Mortal Kombat and like Injustice and uh, role playing games like God of War. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the games I know you play too. Yeah, I've heard of all of those gods of wars. <laughs> I have um, heard of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I mean, but I wasn't allowed to play it as a kid. Right. And see, I would have to sneak and play it. Yeah. But my I brothers sell, played it. I still have to say, my experiences playing video games like go back to like way when I was like five, right? When I first had like Nintendo and Super Mario. Um, and you rarely saw even then like representation of black folks. Like in... <laughs> you rarely saw even then like representation of folks who look like you in the video games that you were buying and playing. And so um, there's been, as as with the the business world in general and tech specifically, there's been like a push to um, uh, that improve the diversity numbers in the gaming industry. And so um, I saw a stat that said, um, even though 73% of African Americans 13 and older are gamers. Um uh only which is like a lot of people, um only one percent um are That's a lot of people. <laughs> that is. Some oh like gamers gosh. in some form. And gamers um, just means I play video games. Yes, I play video games. Okay. Like so like gamer on maybe on your phone too. Yeah. You know? Um I guess I'm a gamer then. Good. I, I play on my phone. <laughs> That's, there Thanks. you go. You're a gamer. Okay, cool. Um, but then re- uh, respondents to another survey um, to uh, um, developers in the gaming industry in the U.S. Uh, showed that only 1% of those of those folks were black developers. Wow. Which is crazy to that me. That is. 
Um, so in this story, they highlight um, minorities in the gaming industry, but I loved it because it, it shows that they didn't, instead of like just saying, you know, this is what I feel and, you know, I'm tired of like, you know, feeling like an anomaly in the industry. It was like all these young minorities who are in gaming took it upon themselves to create really interesting games um, that not only are like games created by a minority, but also like spoke to the issue, Mm -hmm. which I thought was fascinating. For example, there was um, uh, Davion Gooden, 21. He said he started, um, he started making games shortly after he got his first laptop in the fifth grade. And he uh, developed a role playing game called she dreams elsewhere that features like all um, black people in the, in the video game, which, you know, something you just don't say. Um, and uh, sorry, this was something that you don't see often. And he said that the main character is stuck in a coma and the villains are the nightmares. And then to get through the, um, to get through the game, players basically confront, issues of anxiety and depression and um it's called uh the name name of it is she dreams elsewhere which i thought was also a really cool title Mm -hmm. um and so i mean the, the the story has all these other um examples of um ethnically diverse gamers or game developers who said okay I'm not being heard at the company that i work for or this program that i apply to so i'm just gonna do my own thing and uh, and attack the problem that way. Yeah. And I just thought that was cool. And it, um, the, my takeaway from that was, you know, there are lots of diversity. There are lots of areas that lack diversity and lots of industries, but you can also create change your own way. Like you don't have to wait on the, the, like your top, the top level. Folks, right. To recognize, know, to, to recognize it. You can like, also strike out and do things yourself and i think um mombi touched on this too from a couple episodes ago when she was saying how you know if you think that you know there's something going wrong at your company or like there's you know you there's not like a group for black employees right you Mm -hmm. can start that yourself Mm -hmm. you know you can take up these issues with yourself and build a grassroots thing i think sometimes when we're in sucky situations in corporate life we just kind of say well that's how it is there right that's how it is here yeah um i thought that was cool yeah and we'll include the link and this i i feel like while i'm not a gamer um i have a nephew who very much is Mm -hmm. he's 11 um and i remember there was a point growing up where he really wanted to work at gamestop or like somewhere Mm. that sold games and i was always telling him like that's awesome but mm-hmm. also like you can make them mm. and then he did end you up getting mm-hmm. <gasps> he ended up getting I a computer that. game where he was able to like it was like mario and he like put all the blocks together but mm-hmm. got to create and mm-hmm. i feel like that mario was his maker. yeah and that was his first foyer into being like oh mm-hmm. i can like make this game how i want it and like change the rules mm-hmm. um and you know i went to carnegie mellon which is a huge computer science school and mm-hmm. so i always try to like kind of push that to him Mm -hmm. um he's in robotics club at school so it's just like there is this does feel important even for those of us that don't play games because Mm -hmm. we just have young people in our lives who might not know that this is even an option for sure yeah yep so i will include that link in the show notes yeah 
Mine was just quick. Um, so I'm trying to get back into my freelance days. So um, still working full time, but I just this is the first time in my life that I only have one job, one mm. stream of income, and I don't like it. It just mm. doesn't feel good being dependent on one thing. Um, so I'm out here trying to get back to freelance writing and other things. And I'm going to include the link. I found like a just a dope blog article from someone who I don't know, but that gave nine uh, freelance proposal templates. And like the templates can then turn into contracts just so you can like protect yourself and make sure that you're like selling yourself the best possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been working on one lately. And I just think for anyone else out there, that's like because I think for freelance, it's really easy for us to like wait for them to give us a contract and just like sign Mm -hmm. it and then be. And it's like I want to approach because I've been out of freelance world for almost three years. Mm -hmm. I want to go back and approach it in a much more professional way because I I've like used those three years to really build up my skill set. I want to say like, here's what I deserve. And if you can't meet that, then like maybe we can talk down the line. Mm -hmm. I just like want to approach it that way. So Mm -hmm. I'll include that because I think uh, freelance and consultant and all of that, we've talked about that is is the way and and it's the way that business is going. Um, And I think it's fine to work corporate and fine to work. Uh, full time but I think it's also smart especially when you have a lot of applicable skills Mm -hmm. to like figure out ways to use those outside of your nine to five for sure yeah that's it for your business um all right and because it's just us we're gonna move into LLC which is my favorite favorite segment um I have uh learned and a loved okay I do too okay you want to do learns first yeah let's do it all right, go. My learned is something called Do Not Pay. So Do Not Pay is an app that basically acts like a robotic lawyer or like digital friend for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so it um, came out recently and it will basically, you know, we talked we talked a few episodes ago about the how helpful it can be to like outsource things. Mm-hmm. Well, do not pay you. You pay them three dollars a month, and for all of that, you get all these services. So they will find free money for you. Like a lot of times, like one time I I was owed like five hundred dollars, like from the comptroller's office, and didn't know. Huh. Um. Uh. They will stay on hold for you. Like when you when you need to dial, and this this is also a very recent problem I had. My printer died on me, mm-hmm. and just to get technical support, I had to be on hold for thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. So they will stay on hold for you. You you dial the um the customer service number mm-hmm. and tell them who you're trying to reach, and then you can hang up, and they'll call you back. Um, what is this when sorcery? You get somebody. <laughs> this, when you get the person, this you're trying sounds to reach. scary. They will also help you. Um, solve uh traffic disputes they will help you fill out government paperwork and um they also give you a free trial card so you know how whenever um uh you know you 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 find a a new service that you like and want to try and it's like free for like the first week or month and Mm -hmm. then you forget about it and then you get that that first charge and Mm -hmm. you're like oh crap i forgot to cancel that they'll give you a free digital card to like sign up for the free trial, and then when it's when your free trial is over, it's just done. What? Yeah, <laughs> all for three dollars a month, 
And um So I've, do you have the free trial? Yeah. No, like what do you mean? It's free trial for other sites? Yeah, so so say so say for, with LinkedIn for example, uh-huh. right? So I remember one time so LinkedIn premium is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um but it is very invaluable for somebody like me who's a reporter who tries to who has to reach people right, you know, yeah. uh, in different industries. Um one time I signed up for LinkedIn the free trial just so I could like message you know, message somebody yeah. and forgot about it and like had to pay like a six, like sixty dollars oh, the, wow. the next month. So with this, I would sign up for the free trial uh-huh. with my do not pay card. Uh-huh. And when the trial ends, it just ends. Instead of me instead of my bank account getting charged, it's all through do not pay. Oh. Right? How what smart. Is but how are they making money? They they charge three dollars a month. Yeah, but that's like nothing. When you once once people, I mean, they already have like ten thousand users. Mm-hmm. But I feel like once people like catch on to it, that three dollars a month from a million users, like that, could be a lot of money. This and I'm pretty and I'm pretty sure there's other like things that they'll do to um to kind of help monetize it. But I just love that. Like I. I haven't. I mean, I just like signed up for it, so I haven't used it for anything yet. But who all the, owns it? Um, it's actually a young kid from Stanford. Uh, his name is Stephen Browder, I think. He's like twenty two. What? Um, but yeah, this is wild. <laughs> I want to try um, it. So yeah, I yeah, you know, like I said, we've talked about like the time that it saves to outsource things. Like when I had to call Canon the other day for this fucking printer, like it literally interrupted my whole workflow mm-hmm. um and you know yeah just the, the productivity that you save by outsourcing like sort of like little things like this so it doesn't take up mind space i think is um really awesome and that this is just another service that can help with that that's very cool yeah um so we will include a link to that in the show notes yeah. and then i have a i have I have two. Oh, you go ahead and do your learned. Okay. So my learned is less practical, but it was just a reminder that black people are literal superheroes. (laughs) Okay. So did you see the video on ABC News of the black football coach who just like stopped a school shooting from happening? No. So (laughs) it's wild. We have to put the link. It's just like black people, man. Like what would y'all... What would be happening without us? Um, so this happened back in May, mm-hmm. but the video, the surveillance footage just surfaced. Mm-hmm. Um, so his name is Keenan Lowe, and he's a football and track and field coach at Park Ross High School. Mm-hmm. And a student comes through the hall with a shotgun. And a teacher like runs past the the coach and is like running, and the the coach just walks up to the kid, puts his arm on his hand, takes the gun, and hugs him. Mm. And just like I mean, I'm sure he's also hugging him to like keep him until the police come, but also just like hugs him is like holding his face. Like the kid like hugs him back for a long time, but then tries to like push away because I think he realizes that he's like trying to hold him. But, like, I mean, he doesn't have the gun at this point. But it's just, like... So what happened to the gun? He The the coach took it and gave it to, like, a teacher. 
but so calm. Wow. He just like walks up to the kid and like <laughs> takes it. He's just wow. like, you don't want to do oh, this. Oh, Jesus. So he like, how many lives did he save? Oh. Uh, he's a good one. What, uh, and this is important. I don't think I would have had that kind of. Courage. I know, and he's just like, it's we, it's it's interesting, but it, it was a very emotional moment mm-hmm. that the two of them shared, and the the student. Um, is this is a white student. Uh, he looks to be. Um, mm, his name is. His last name is Granados Diaz. Oh, okay. So he's brown. Mm-hmm. But um which is why I'm kind of surprised it didn't come out earlier. Mm-hmm. But maybe because nothing bad really happened. They didn't care about it. But um yeah, it's just wild. So there's like no no help for anyone except just a reminder that black people are superhuman. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You're like loved. That. Um, so I have a quick love and then I would like to do my other one last. Okay. So, uh, my quick hit is in vogue. So. (laughs) Okay. What about it? Hear me out. In vogue is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like they should have been the girl group to like, just dominate everything Mm -hmm. of all girl groups. Mm -hmm. When you think about. So let me just back up and say I've I've been on a listening kick with yeah. In Vogue. I create like a playlist with all of their hits. Hold on to your love. Uh-huh. And um That's uh, probably like the only In Vogue song that I know. You know uh Never Gonna Get It. Oh yeah. <laughs> never gonna get it, never gonna get exactly. it. Exactly. Never gonna get it. Never but then I went down a further hole recently and I started YouTubing you know, in vogue and their live performances, mm-hmm. all Did you live watch them vocals on d- a different world. Oh, I do remember that episode. Yeah. And rock. They did a theme song for rock. Oh, they did. Yeah, see, see. Yep. <laughs> they did. Okay, they um, touched the culture. Yes, and I just I don't know. They just this was just on my heart because it. Not they on were, your heart. Yes, they were because. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those groups where you're just like, damn, why couldn't y'all just keep making music? Yeah. And they do, but what it's not. So them? what happened was typical like music industry BS. So they were, um, a, a faction of them were unhappy about the money they were making. Mm-hmm. And so um, Don um, left, joined Lucy Pearl. Oh, right, right, right. Um, and then they tried to continue on as a trio. And then it just started kind of, unraveling from there um and they put out some they put out some more music but it just wasn't as good they're like they're you know we're both singers and and so we we recognize like really good harmonizing yeah just like they're they're blending and their vocals and like everybody in the group could sing lead like everybody just had like a bomb voice Mm -hmm. um so i don't know i just like wanted to yeah, you've drop, been in it. Drop folks a, a note to like go back and listen to some in vogue, even like some deep cuts. Um, yeah, maybe I'll link to my Spotify playlist. You should, you should, you should. Um, Help so us. yeah, that's what I. So yeah, what it, do you have? It's funny. My love is also like old school music. Oh, good, related. good. Okay. So um, this week was the fortieth anniversary of Prince's second album. Mm. called Prince and the Prince Estate and Warner Records found a cassette tape of the demo that he did for I Feel For You Mm. and released it it 
was just like the soundtrack of my mood today. Mm-hmm. So it's Prince at 20 years old. Wow. Like thinking out loud, plunking his way through. It's like an acoustic version of I Feel For You. Mm-hmm. Like playing his way through it. You hear just like how great his voice is and like his his and you get to like hear his thought process because he's really like putting the song together in front of us. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little slowed down. Um but you know, I feel for you is such a mood it and like is. I just I love it. I'm going to link it. It's and it's available cuz I was almost worried because Prince music has been hard to find on streaming for so long. Yes. But they released it on Apple, Spotify like nice. so yeah, I found it on Apple Music, but it's just like you know how i was feeling today i love that yeah i love prince Mm -hmm. like his catalog is Mm -hmm. just amazing and there's another song like that um that i love called i hate you Mm -hmm. um and it's like but you know in the era of streaming it's just so hard to find yeah and i don't i don't think i've listened to it in years just yeah. because of that fact. You know, I didn't grow up with a lot of black music, but Prince was in the house. He, Prince was allowed. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, well, my final loved um is the payoff that comes with doing the work while you wait. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's been I've been freelancing now for a little over two years, like maybe two, oh, wow. two and a half years, which mm-hmm. feels like a long time. And um, it would have been very easy for me to like to like lose sight of like what I stand for as a writer, and you know, like just accepting any kind of job and like doing and writing any kind of thing, which totally valid for it when happens. you have to do what you have to do, yeah, you have yeah. to pay the rent. But thankfully, I've been blessed to like you know, cover black folks in Atlanta, starting technology companies and um, and write about, you know, uh, Richard Lou Dennis, the CEO of Sundial Brands and mm-hmm. Shea Moisture um, and his uh, acquisition by Unilever um, and Delane Parnell, uh, who started an esports uh, company, Play Versus. And then I started a podcast about, you know, uh, black um uh, millennials and 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 financial literacy and and tech literacy and just growing up as a as a young black person all these things that are very important to me and um and are core to what i want to put out in the world while i've been freelancing and it was hard to like stick to that and i guess i'm using that i'm using all that to say that I um, am accepting a position at the Wall Street Journal. Exclusive. Uh, <laughs> Heard it here um, first, y'all. <laughs> I start on Monday, October 20th. Oh, my gosh. Wait, that's yeah. not this Monday. The following Monday. Oh, okay. Yeah. That came so fast. Yeah. So so the Monday after the, this podcast comes yeah. out, it'll be my first day wow. at the Wall Street Journal. Um, and I'll be working in their new audiences team Um basically doing a lot of what I'm doing now, you know, which is using the Wall Street Journal's platform to reach um, young um, minorities and other groups who are typically not um, served by uh, business outlets and helping to teach them about financial literacy and doing this thing called life and mm-hmm. 401ks and, yeah. <laughs> you know, the business of everything as right. we talk about here on the on the podcast. And so 
it just feels really good. Um, and when I think back about when I think back on this time I've been freelancing, um, you know, it's been rough as, in some parts, but I can honestly say that I've been um, determined to to stick to the things that I um, that I consider the work. You yeah. Know? Um, and a lot of the work was referenced in my hiring. Yeah. You know? And so. Um, Yay! <laughs> I'm so proud of you and excited for you. And Thank I do think you. that's like such a good reminder that it's like sometimes it's about the years of like the underground work that no one sees. Mm-hmm. I mean, people saw yours, but you know, like that feels hard, but it like will pay off. Yes, it does. Yeah, sometimes you just, I mean, not to get too fluffy, but Oprah talks about this a lot, mm-hmm. you know, like. That thing that you that you feel like that you that you feel pulled and called to do, like that will be a guiding light every time. Yeah. You know? And, and Joey talked about that. He did. That thing that it's even as a episode. child you did before you had bills or before you cared what anyone else thought, like mm-hmm. that'll push you forward. That's your North Star. Yeah. Yay. Yay! Can't wait for you to take me out for dinner. Me either. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I treat, seriously, I treat seriously me. Can. <laughs> I've been like to a lot of my friends, ooh, I have new money now. Mm-hmm. We can actually hang. Yeah, you be hood rich. <laughs> anyway. Yay. Um, yeah, we hope. What a good way to end. I think so too. Yeah. And we hope that, you know, everything will stay the same with your business and we'll keep you know, being in you guys' earbuds every week and um, not earbuds, earlobes. Or we'll be in your earlobes ear, through your, your earbuds. Your AirPods. Your AirPods. Because you're wealthy. <laughs> That's what I say to all my friends that have AirPods. I'm like, you are I don't so want wealthy. AirPods, though. I want like some over ear um, headphones. Oh, I don't, I lose headphones so much. Yeah. That- but you need them. Because every time I send you a song, you're like, but I don't hear it. I don't hear the music. I don't. I don't hear the bass. I but don't. I'm like this because you're listening to 10-year-old. Excuse? Sorry. Let's sign off before you. <laughs> let's let's log off both in person and on this show. Bye, um, guys. Bye, guys. Guys, can you share us? I feel please. like we are like the traction is there. But please tell your friends. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Stitcher, wherever you listen, mm-hmm. uh, rate us, share us, check our show notes, mm-hmm. tell your friends about us, mm-hmm. support our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Just go out there and do it, y'all. All of the things. Yes. All right. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.